0: in this episode jason son from griffith university will be joined by afnan and krishan who will debunk some of the most common dental myths that we've all probably heard of at least once in our lives this episode is made especially for the first years out there, as they move on to discussing common misconceptions that freshman dental students may have before they start dental school.
1: Hello everyone, my name is Jason Sun. Uh, I'm the rep for, uh, from Griffith University for ATSA. I'm currently a second year dental student, and it is a pleasure to invite two guests over for my podcast. Um, Krishan and Atma.
2: Woo! So Krishan, uh, please introduce yourself. So my name's Krishan and I'm a fourth year dental student. I'm also the vice president of GADSA. I was also the um, ADSA rep for Griffith in 2017. And in my spare time, I like to watch K-dramas and watch out (laughs) with my friends. (laughs) okay Uh, thank you um how about you
3: so i am an oral health therapist i graduated from uq and i've been working for almost four years now at the moment i'm currently a second year um griffith university dentistry student and i'm one of those really annoying people who loves animal crossing
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) Um, so, before we jump into our topic, podcast topic, we are going to talk about uh, some things about our school. So, uh, the first question would be um, tell me about the dentistry and oral health course structure at your university.
3: So at Griffith University, we actually have a five-year dental degree. The first three years is an undergraduate degree called the Bachelor of Dental Health Science. And again, different years will have different names. And the last two years is a Master of Dentistry. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So for the last two years, um, it is a master's. So we do a research component. And in fourth years, we do um, complex treatments in our clinics. And... On last year, we do a six month placement. Uh, we do um, so
1: around third year is when we start seeing patients, right? Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, how would we describe our university and the social life in
2: Griffith? So, for our university, there's quite a lot of things to do. There's only twenty minute tram ride to the beach, so there's a lot of like restaurants and cafes in that area, and yeah, it's just a really cool place to hang out.
3: Okay. It's also really close to Brisbane. It's south of Brisbane, so anytime we get a little bit bored of the beach or whatever, we can always drive up to Brisbane and check out the places in Brisbane. Yeah. Like the C B D South Bank,
1: yeah, Sunnybank uh, Hill. Before checking out Brisbane, we go coaster has also had good things to offer. <laughs> yeah. um, well. So along the beach, uh so if you go to the beach, there's a lot uh, there's a clubbing district nearby called Surface Paradise. Mm-hmm. Um it is very popular for their hotels and clubbing. And also uh Go Coast, we do have a lot of uh popular theme parks. Yep. Uh, oh yeah the big ones being Universal Studio No,
3: actually we have movie, world. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: movie world. Dream <laughs> world,
3: sea world, and Wet and
1: Wild. Okay, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> it was, um yeah because uh sorry. <laughs> but yeah we do have theme parks. So yep. um it's never boring. <laughs> okay, uh, we move on to the next question. Uh, on a more serious note, it's about placement. So I assume Krishan will know more about this. So uh, please tell me about the placement locations of
2: Griffith. So in fifth year, we do uh, mostly rural placements. So most of these um, locations are probably about three to five hours away from Brisbane Gold Coast. And there are a couple of um, urban areas, but it totally depends on what you prefer and how you're allocated in that time.
4: Okay.
2: Yeah. Um, so where did you apply for placement? So I'm hoping to go to Tweedhead. So that's in New South Wales, but it's only a three hour drive from the campus. So hopefully I'll get a lot of um, clinical experience there.
4: Wow.
2: <laughs> Thanks so, for cutting off that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: So yeah,
1: it, it does seem like our school does offer some placement um, locations where it's a bit more urban yep. and some being uh, very rural. Yep. And I assume student, um, Is there a reason why some students choose urban and some students choose rural?
2: Yeah, so mostly um, there are quite a lot of students who have families or children or live quite close to the placement locations. So that's probably why they cho- choose um, uh, urban um, placement location such as Southport or Urbina, and it's totally dependent on what they're looking for in terms of what they want to get out from placement, so yeah. Okay, Um,
1: so what would be the accommodation options for um, a placement
2: student? So some um, accommodation is provided by the university, but some you have to pay for, so it totally depends on where you go, Um, yeah.
1: And I assume the more rural it is, there's a higher chance that the school will pay for
2: it. That's correct, yeah.
1: Okay. Um, I know these are very rare, but um, overseas placement options, does our school offer that?
2: Unfortunately, we don't have overseas placement options, but I think it's a good, like, maybe in the future, it would be a good option to have those. Um, I think, like, um, like wherever in the world, like, even for volunteering, like, in places in Southeast Asia or in other areas that are disadvantaged, that would be a good idea.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do believe uh overseas placement options are very rare. Mostly students uh, tend to just go volunteering yeah. to overseas, uh on, in some unfortunate areas. Yeah. So yeah, um, how about you, Aflan? Um, where did you go for placement when you were um, going to UQ for your own health
3: therapy course so the placements that we went to so we did a lot of work with in with the public health services so some of the places include you know beanley moray field strath pine mm. no not Strathpine. so yeah moray field um and also we had i think youtube did back then i'm not, they might still have it they had a um clinic in dolby so we had some wow. placements there so it was run by the clinic or i think it was run by uq oh, UQ, oh my yep, god yeah. uq students i'm so sorry if i get that <laughs> wrong i cannot remember but i'm pretty sure it was run by uq yeah. but they're all connected to you know the queensland health yeah. services yeah,
2: i think that's similar to us like we have our own warwick clinic so yeah that's own. so it's literally a Griffith clinic in warwick oh so, yeah. wow
1: mm. yeah, okay, that's interesting yeah. So, um, so you had your placement in Dolby. Yes. And do you think uh, when you become fourth year, you maybe apply for the same location or do you want to try somewhere different?
3: I definitely do, do want to go rural just because the experiences you get in rural placements is so different to the ones you'll get in urban areas. So for example, for me, I was doing a lot of hygiene work in yeah. those areas, so you know, the the amount of calculus you'll see on a patient in mm. Dolby or in a rural area will be completely different to the amount of calculus in, you know, more urban areas. Mm. And it's it's good to get that experience and that view of, you know, different types of people, the diversity and, yeah. you know, how it how different people are.
2: Yeah. I think that also in like other areas you get different factors causing like um like decay or so that, I think that's also a good experience to have. Yeah. yeah. Okay,
1: yeah. Um, it seems to me that <coughs> rural places do offer very rich, diverse experiences. Yeah. I guess this also contributes to the fact that people in urban areas tend to have um, more uh, set hygiene routine. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um,
1: so tell me, um, is there what's the pros and cons for like urban uh, placements? And what are the pros and cons for rural placements?
2: I would say in urban areas, they're probably, like, not as diverse cases. And you don't get that, um, I don't know, you won't get um, to do, let's say, amalgam restorations in Uh comparison to a rural area, I think, yeah. Okay. Um, What would be uh, the good side of working in urban areas? I think just the, like, the ease of getting to placement. I think for some students, that's quite hard to, to get transport. And especially as you have to take the train or... If it's a long, like, car ride, you know, it's, it's
1: just there, so, yeah. Also, uh, I guess students who have children, they, yeah. they will also... Oh,
4: yeah. That's
1: quite tricky. Yeah, try to choose urban. Yep. Um, how about you? So you went to Delby. Uh, What was the... Pro- so you did explain the pros. What was the cons of uh, doing placement in a rural area?
3: I guess the cons is just having to, you know, get another accommodation, especially if you're already living out of home and then having to drive, you know, such far distances or having to, you know, fly if you Mm -hmm. need to fly. And, again, that comes with its own costs. And the schools might not cover those costs. So, again, you have to be responsible for, you know, your finances. Um, Also, it's just, like, basic access to, you know, shops. Yeah. So, some places, like, I know with Dolby, I believe they didn't have, like, Kmart and shops. (laughs) The only place we had was, like, a food works and, like, I forgot. But, yeah. And, look, those aren't big problems, Mm. like, but they're just, like, those minor inconveniences.
2: So so the living experience is quite different?
3: The living experience is quite different. Yeah. And, again, just the surrounding environment, it is different. And also the demographics of the area is quite different to urban areas. So, okay. yeah. Again, it is quite interesting and definitely beneficial to have that experience in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just because you did kind of uh, showed like, the very positive aspects of living... Um, doing placement in rural areas. What was, like, the hardest thing about doing placement in Dolby?
3: I think the hardest thing was probably... hmm, I think it was just having to get there and come back and... Again, just having to organize everything because you're already in uni, you know, you're already stressed because, you know, exams are coming up, you have to study. And then on top of that, you have to organize your own accommodation, you have to pay for that accommodation. Again, some people may not have that finances to afford that, so they have to try to find a way around that. And again, that could mean, you know, applying for scholarships, Centrelink, or whatever you have to do. And yeah, just, you know, driving there, coming back and, having that vehicle that transports,
1: so yeah. yeah it seems like it's uh, mostly transportation and
2: organizing accommodation. Yeah. Was, um, like, security an issue or was it, like, Oh. It's safe or... <laughs> <laughs> <Look>. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? What, what's going on?
3: <laughs> look, some... I'm not saying Dolby's a bad area, but, yeah. like, look, when you go rural, there are certain factors, again, again certain demographics um, so it is quite different. Yeah. And again, I look look I know someone who goes to James Cook University and mm-hmm. their demographic because they're in Townsville, it's quite different. So, yeah. you know, the things that Go on down there is quite different to the things that go on down here. So some areas might have a bit more, you know, Shadier. crime, Shadier. a higher crime rate. Yeah. So just stay safe, guys. If you go rural, yeah. just be aware, <laughs> be alert, yeah. not anxious. Yeah. To all you Doctor Mike fans,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking these questions because uh, as an international student, I don't, as a student, I don't know how the outback and the rural areas are like. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And and the only media uh, portrayal I saw was oh, Wolf no. Creek. Oh, no.
4: So,
1: <laughs> Wolf Creek did not give me the most positive outlook <laughs> oh, in the Um oh and it, I do admit I think for international students, the outback and the rural areas is more like a misty, like covered in like legends and like urban oh, yeah. and, like yeah. areas. But um, saying uh, seeing what afran is saying, seems like a nice place. Not much uh, problem.
3: Yeah. And
1: it actually gives a pretty rich experience when it comes to clinic. Yeah,
3: just make so, sure your card doesn't break down so, when there's no reception.
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of my biggest fears. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's move on to the next question. Um, so, is this biggest mess up in uni or clinic? Oh, so, no. oh, no,
4: don't <laughs> oh, no.
1: so don't mention something too bad uh, to wreck oh, oh. your rep, but. Uh, Preferably something with a lesson. Okay. So who want to start? Who wants to start?
2: Uh, I'll start. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, pre-corona, uh, it was my first ever endo, so I was really excited, and mm. it was two one anterior <laughs> upper, and I was like, okay, I can do this. And then somehow there was a ledge. So oh. if you're doing endo, the ledge is the worst thing that can ever happen to you. <laughs> if you're a general dentist, if you're an endodontist, not so bad. But um, yeah, and it was really like. It was a big experience because it took six hours in total. So two appointments, three hours. And the worst thing was that there was no other endodontist in the clinic at the time. So they had to get the head of school. And oh, my God, it was the most daunting thing. Uh (laughs) Having to just be like, yeah, um, I think I stuffed up. Uh (laughs) Out of everyone, it had to be the head. Yeah, I know. Oh, my God. And I just put in my notes, that just refer to the postgraduate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, what, wow. what, what would be your lesson there? Uh, my lesson would be to um, evaluate your cases properly before starting them. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Even if it things don't look so bad, just um, yeah, ask your supervisor twice. <laughs> okay. Always be cautious. We're dealing with
1: new uh, real people. a <laughs> yes, Valuable lesson. Um, how about Arthur? What about you? Oh
3: my God! There's so many <laughs> mess up. <laughs> um, uh, well, this. <coughs> really a messer but it's just kind of like something to think about so I know with my first patient that I ever got I was thrown into the deep ends mm-hmm. so she was blind Dev, limited mobility, over eighty, prosthetic heart valve, multiple medication. Literally, she brought in two pages of medications, oh my
4: gosh. <laughs>
3: and then she also needed an antibiotic cover. Oh so no. at first I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is intense." But actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought because as the um, appointment went on, I realized, you know. I had made assumptions. I was expecting, you know, what was that lady's name that was deaf and blind?
4: Oh, Helen Keller.
3: Yeah, I was expecting, like, a Helen Keller. (laughs) But then when when I spoke to her, you know, I realized, you know, she was able – she was deaf, but she can still hear a bit. She was blind, Mm. but she kind of, like, she knew how to get around that. Mm. She did have limited mobility, but she was still able to, you know, brush her teeth and also with her medications, you know, we, we dealt with that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but what I le- like, learned from that was, you know, don't make assumptions because if you're going to make assumptions, then you're just limiting yourself. Rather, just scope out the patient because, you know, each patient might be different. Like, they are different. So just by, you know, talking to her, getting to know her and observing her, I was able to see that, you know, I can use some things to give her, you know, treatment like that suits her yeah. rather than being like, oh, my God, she's Helen Keller. I'm going to give her this treatment. Yeah. So, yeah, so just be open-minded, you know, talk to the person, observe Communication. them. Communication. Okay. Communication is key. <laughs> and, yeah, don't, don't, do not don't make assumptions.
1: Mm. I guess <laughs> the problem with assumptions is that you try to emphasize on their limitations. But the, the more you talk to those patients, you see their capabilities and you end yeah. up encouraging to do things that is within their boundaries and they're yeah. feeling exactly. like more motivated
4: exactly.
2: I think as like students like we always it's easier for us to understand a patient if we just categorize them or like you know yeah. make assumptions I think that's like
3: yeah, yeah we can, student thing
2: yeah you get taught
3: to like theorize
2: yeah <laughs> oh, this
3: is how you treat this exactly, patient. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah expect the unexpected
1: <laughs> yeah um also I guess another lesson that we can get out from that is that before we enter clinic uh, reviewing everything we learned mm. by heart yep. and learn always learn to apply them yes because uh we don't know what will hurt us that and, an odd way. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and when, when a patient walks in we can't just be like i didn't study for this yet because mm. it wasn't in the exam yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, true. Um, so yeah yeah so pretty good stories um Especially Athlan, thanks for the inspirational story. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> it's very heart heartwarming. Oh, God. Um. Next question, I think Krishan will be uh expert in this. So oh. the question is, do you have a respective
2: dentistry society? Oh, do we? E- I- oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, we do. We have um GATSA, So that's the Griffith University Dental Students Association. Um. So we. Uh like attend to dental hygiene, dental um dental technology and POS students. So within Griffith we have all those programs and there are bachelor programs. Um so yeah, it we all like um get along and hold events for them. So yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty good mix. Yeah. Um uh, when was our society established? Um, It was established in 2004, so it's
1: been there for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, During the corona times, um, the society has promoted a lot of events uh, through online. Despite all the offlines being cancelled, they still um, try to keep up the school spirit.
2: Yeah.
1: And also... uh, he recently released a t-shirt so yeah. <laughs> progress being made yeah okay uh we got, we got back to you with uh this week's topic and yeah
0: the theme of today's episode is who are you going to call dental mythbusters
1: Uh, and now we're back, and we are ready to talk about dental meds. Yep. So um, the reason I especially uh, uh, asked you guys to be on this podcast was because you guys have your own fair share of clinical experience <laughs> after not having OHT clinical experience and you having school yep. clinical experience. Mm-hmm. So I assume that when patients see you, they'll bring their own their misconceptions or myth about dentistry, mm. so I think it would be a good time to introduce it. So Krishan, um, what were some of the dental myths that you had to
2: deal with when you were seeing patients? Mm, so in the student clinic, one big thing, especially after emergencies, is that patients think that dental treatment is a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. Like after just okay. like after being in pain and doing a filling or RCT root canal treatment. They'll be like, "Oh, okay. See you in next time when I'm in pain." Sort of thing. Oh, okay. Which okay. Yeah. really like you know, I can understand from their perspective, but um, you know, the mouth is a whole mouth. It's not just one tooth. Yeah. Mm. So we always try and focus on prevention in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, prevention is the new trend, and I assume
1: because um, this is what my uh, relative who's a dentist always mentioned that he does want to routinely see the patient for. Um, long-term um, treatments and yeah. also maintaining you know, oral health yeah but it seems like they only come in when something bad really like yeah. something really bad <laughs> happens
2: and they're off when you know yeah nothing nothing's happening so i think uh, like um that's something that like as students we have to like um we have to motivate the patient to do so because mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we just need to change that perception, I guess. Is okay. it convincing them to come back
1: yeah. and routinely check
2: up? Yeah, you guys. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh yeah, that is one dental myth, and I assume that um, nowadays, as we're more focusing on communication with patients, mm. that might may change after a few years, a decade. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> okay. Um, how about you, Asna? Um, is there any dental myth?
3: Oh, actually, Kushan, you did bring up a point and it um, there is a dental myth that um, relates to that. So you were saying that, you know, sometimes they don't come back and they think it's just a one-off treatment. Well, yeah, look, the thing that I see a lot is that they think, you know, no pain, no problem. Yeah. So this is especially related to, you know, gum disease yeah. and they think, you know, they can't see the gum disease. They can't feel it. There's no pain. So there's no gum disease. So they don't believe you. So they don't come back for, you know, the treatments, so and then it ends up getting worse and yeah. they end up losing a teeth. Yeah. So um, I guess it's it just it blows my mind sometimes and like it's completely understandable yeah. because you know out of sight out of, out of mind so yeah. you, know, you, you don't think it's a real problem so mm. i like to tell some of my patients like look imagine if you had an infection in your hand like mm. if it was painful and if your fingers were falling off like you're not just gonna stand idle oh, like you're yeah. gonna go crazy <laughs> yeah, you exactly. go straight to the hospital <laughs> so um but then when it's happening to your mouth you know you're losing bone your yeah. flesh your your soft tissue is yeah. inflamed, but they still don't do anything about yeah. it. So yeah, I like to use that example for yeah. them. And another thing is with like small caries or just caries that doesn't have pain involved. Mm. Some people are like, Oh, well, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll, I'll just wait later until yeah. it gets worse. But then it's, it's just a matter of, you know, t- like showing the patient mm. that it is a problem yeah. because, you know, you can speak all you want and they yeah. still won't believe you. So Again, it's a good idea to maybe, like, especially with gum disease, what I like to do is I like to, you know, bring up the X-ray and just show them the bone level. And then that way they can see, you know, what's normal, what's not normal. Mm -hmm. And then also just, you know, getting a mirror so that they can see the gum disease, you know. I'd like to show, you know, an area where there's no gum disease and an area that's really inflamed and like... Oh, yeah.
4: Comparisons. Yeah, Yeah. comparisons.
3: That way they know, you know, oh... There is a problem going
1: on. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, because I, I do feel like because, you know, gum... I feel like it, it is always overshadowed by teeth. Because a lot yeah. of people do want white teeth. You know, yeah. that Hollywood smile. But no one really talks about the Hollywood gums. Like, That's like, so true. <laughs> <laughs> Not
4: even a concept, unfortunately.
1: But, it, like, you know, the pink healthy concept. But I just feel like people just overlook it sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, along with pain... Um, I do feel like it's the financial aspect that a lot of people are scared about. And That's quite yeah, true.
2: It's Not only true. that, like, if, like, a small, like, decay, if you leave it untreated, it can turn from a localised, like, problem to a systemic problem. So you'd be from going just a little drill to uh-huh. having antibiotics in your, yeah. this thing. It's, it's, yeah. The wood canal. Yeah, like root canals, extractions, all that sort of stuff, yeah.
1: Especially, um, yeah, I will mention this. Uh well, in Korea there's a lot of like these jokes about, you know, dentistry and stuff. Yeah. And I these are some positive jokes that I think are good spread out. So one of the jokes that was saying that like if you go to a dentist without pain, you'll probably be charged around two hundred dollars. Mm. But if you do feel pain,
4: oh. it's gonna be oh. over, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be
1: over one K. It's like oh you're God. you're in a bad situation <laughs> when it hurts. Yeah. And then uh stuff like these. And I I think it's a good way to emphasize the patients that um Look, if you're scared of money, you should probably come more routinely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because small problems become big
2: problems, yeah. and big problems lead to specialists, yeah. Yeah. which involves more money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's why like things like X rays are so good at like you know showing that there's a problem. Like yes. even though the patient might not be able to see it, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, it's very visual. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, how about you, Krishna? Another chuck in another method. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other myth I'm would be. <laughs> Is that like when a patient experiences pain, they just want the tooth out. They never want to, or they rarely consider, you know, saving the tooth. Uh-huh. Like, what do you, they don't realize is that, you know, if you lose teeth, your bone actually disappears and it resolves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of studies saying that. Um, the less you have, the worse your quality of life will be. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, that's like another thing that is not really considered, especially when you wear dentures.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Like you can't even, it's really hard to feel um, the actual temperature and the sensation of food. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that uh, your, your,
1: the quality of food that you eat, um, somehow it, it changes. Like yeah. that's what my grandparents said, like once you wear dentures, it's, they say it's different. It's
4: yeah,
2: it just—it's like you're, you're you're binding on plastic. Yes, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah,
2: and um and also it is true that uh, poor um
1: oral uh cavity control. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> <laughs> as I said we're, weird, but they do say that it could be one of the reasons why um especially in um, seniors they mm. lose their appetite. Yeah, and yeah. also there were research about how you know losing appetite leads to Alzheimer's due yeah. to the low um, mm-hmm. nutrition consumption.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, um, our job as dentists, the main priority is saving the teeth, preventing it from getting extracted because extracted teeth means it's just they're dead. Yep. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, announcing that it's dead, and I guess it's also the visual thing that Afna mentioned mm-hmm. how you know people think that. You know, back in the molar, people can't see it's missing, so yeah. they just extract it. Well, they won't do it with their fingers or with their toes. Like they won't just be like, "Cut off my toes because it's hurting right now." <laughs> yeah. That's so, true, yeah. <clears throat> I guess I guess it's um, you guys brought really good points. Show X rays, show visual things, yeah. do comparisons, and yeah. that's how you convince patients. Yeah. Um, Afan, how about you?
4: Another
3: one. Oh, another myth. Um, well. A lot of patients tend to think, well, even we get taught, you know, carby foods, foods with sugar are, you know, they're terrible. They're the worst thing you can eat. It's always going to cause gum disease. I'm sorry, tooth decay. But sometimes it can, this thought can be a bit warped and distorted. And some, like, I've heard very few people say this, but some people are like, oh, you know what? I don't have any carby foods. I don't mm. have any sugar. So I don't need to brush my teeth or floss my teeth. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's other oral diseases out yeah. there. You know, if you're not eating carby foods or, you know, sugary foods, there is still a chance, you know, there's a lot of fibrous foods or foods like meat that get stuck yeah. in, in between your teeth. And you know, if you're not cleaning them out well, that can lead to, you know, gum disease, periodontitis. Mm. Yeah. And on the other hand, there's, you know, a whole world of acidic foods which can cause erosion and erode your teeth. And there's a whole set of yeah. problems relating to that. So, yeah, carb foods are not the only...
1: It's not like food. the source of all evil. Yeah, <laughs>
3: exactly. And also, you know, just... You know, oral hygiene. Keep it up. Eat good yeah. food. Have a good oral hygiene. Come visit your, you know, dental practice and yeah. just get it checked up. It's a multifactorial.
1: Multifactorial. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
1: this also emphasizes that how some patients do overlook the gums. Yeah, that's quite over true. Yeah. Because yeah. yes, it's true. Um, you know, if if you don't feed the mutants in your mouth with carbs <laughs> or sugar, yeah, th- like it's sure, you know cavities may decrease but i feel like people do also overlook there's wet skin in your mouth and you yep, wouldn't quite, you, yeah. you, you wouldn't <laughs> yeah. allow like rotting skin to just be left in be your left, skin yeah,
4: yeah. That's and exactly.
1: people overlook it yeah so um i guess it's more also important to tell patients like you know move away from the teeth a bit and say like you know gums exist you know yeah. <laughs> and then they are like you know the main source of backup when you know you're tooth fails like you know for implants and mm. for bridges yeah. or like you, know, um, you need your gums and you need your bones beneath yeah. it yeah and yeah um so with the gum disease can you kind of uh, elaborate because i did hear you saying that like um patients um kind of have a hard time actually believing that they do have gum disease
3: yeah, so a lot of patients... Again, back to what I was saying before, a lot of patients are like, oh, I can't see it, or I can't feel it, therefore I do not, you know, you're just here to scam me. But again, it's more about, you know, just show them, show them that this is real, show them that, you know, you're not lying and you're just there to take care yeah. of them and do the best.
1: Especially for, with... Um, the, um, a lot of the patients think that they bleed because you... Use a periodontal probe.
3: (laughs) Yeah,
2: so (laughs) they're not sharp. Exactly.
4: So
3: again, um, same. Yeah, yeah. I I know there's so many beams out there, but you know, my dentist put like poked a sharp thing in my mouth. Of course, I'm gonna bleed. But yeah, just just show them. Like sometimes you can give them the hand mirror, probe an area that's not as inflamed, and be like, look, I'm probing this. You're getting no pain or getting less pain. And there's no bleeding, whereas you know when I poke this really inflamed area, you know immediately it's bleeds. You're very sensitive. Yeah, yeah. That way they have a visual. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I guess one good thing that because as a kid uh, I did hear something like when you brush your teeth and you bleed, it's not because you're bleed, uh, brushing too hard. There's something wrong with your gums, yeah. Yeah. and I think that was like a good baseline for me to recognize if my oral health was not right, yeah. and sometimes I'll be brushing my teeth and it will start bleeding. Yeah. So I, would, I wouldn't overlook it and I'll try to harder to take care of my yeah. oral hygiene.
4: Mm.
1: <laughs> I guess uh, telling patients about those s- subtle symptoms that you see in real life. It's so true.
3: Yeah. It's a good Oh, yeah,
2: definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, back to Krishan, your other one. Um, yeah. So a lot of, I think, first year probably more so often think that you know dentistry is just a one-man job like you know mm-hmm. I'll do this I'll yeah. be like this I can do my own thing I don't need to worry about anything but there's so many different um, divisions in dentistry like in the profession such as OHTs um, hygienists um, you know who really play will play a major role in your treatment planning um, and like especially like in the medical field as well not just limited to dentistry so like um, like Uh, speech pathologists, um, ENT, you know, there's always some collaboration going on. So you should always like try um, and network with those sorts of people because they will help you (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and offer the best care to your patients. So yeah. Yeah. uh, Because
1: these days, dentistry is no longer kind of considered like a localized thing. I do know that back in the days, Dentistry and medicine was separated due to political yeah. reasons in universities way back. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, as more research is done with dentistry, they're realizing that a lot of the conditions that the body is reflected through your oral health and yeah. some of the oral health, your oral health can affect your health. Yeah, And I guess keeping... Um, you know, it's not a one man show. That's so true. And oh, yeah. collaborate with the other health
2: professions. Yeah. yeah. I think um particularly with like between dentists and um doctors, you know, some people think like, oh, you know, I'll become a dentist because doctors are um, you know, this thing, or I become a doctor because they're better than dentists and vice versa. Yeah. But like, you know, each individual profession has their own like skill set and yeah. their importance in like um continuing the care of a patient. So yeah.
4: Yeah,
1: um the <laughs> I did. I, when I was applying to dental school in high school, there was a lot of things that I had to deal with. People were saying, like, oh, aren't doctors mm. better? Or, like, and it was, it, it didn't really anger me per se, but yeah. it's more like, you know, we take care of different things. That's so true, yeah. yeah. Like, it's, and, you know, and actual doctors and dentists, they respect each other. Yeah. yeah. And there's no, like, this hierarchy going on. I actually do, Krishna, I do want to talk about, um, You know, these articles do say that, you know, private dental clinics are like, you know, isolated islands. And they are less kind of like isolated if you're talking about uh, compared to like, you know, big hospitals where Mm -hmm. all the doctors are there. Um, But, you know, you do have to work with your OHTs and your hygienists and like receptionists. Can you kind
4: of emphasize
2: emphasize the importance? When you like graduate, like the most like important person is probably your receptionist because they will be the ones who will book your patients, they will make you like fully booked or no patients at all. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> so treat your receptionist well and apart from your boss as well. But um yeah they if you you know have good rapport with your receptionist you're more likely to get booked and um your patients will more likely to come back. Yes it will um, make your life very yes, easy yes easier yeah
1: and um I did hear some stories how some patients will walk into clinic mm-hmm. and when they refer to a hygienist for cleaning, they would complain and say they would want a dentist to do their cleaning. Mm. And um, have you experienced that before, often?
3: Look, <clears throat> yeah, look, every now and then you'll experience something like that. And it's not always because, you know, the patient hates hygienists. It's just because, you know they probably, most of the time, you find that, you know, that they don't know what a hygienist it's is. so true. They yeah. don't know Isn't who it, an oral
2: yeah. health therapist <laughs> is. No one knows the scope of Exactly. <laughs>
3: most people think we're either a dentist or we're a DA. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, it, it's just a matter of just you know, before they even come in, so rather than just telling them on the spot, because a lot of patients get upset from that, you know, have your receptionist or, you know, someone who calls them beforehand, Mm. letting them know who you are, if you're a hygienist or a therapist or OHT, and just what you do. And it's good to educate them on, you know, who we are and how we work as a team. That way, you know, you tend to find that a lot of patients prefer seeing dentists and hygienists, OHT, um,
1: this Just... Some people do think that it's like a hierarchy of you know dentist, hygienist, and like the bottom being DA, Mm. which is very not true because we are working together as a team. That's Mm -hmm. so true. Hygienists have more practice when it comes to cleaning than dentists, and dentists have their own our own respective field of treatment. So it's not a hierarchy. Respect your colleagues, and the more you respect them, your
2: working quality would improve. Yeah, what? I think that's the, one of the good things I Griffith because we're always taught about, like, interdisciplinary um, care. So yeah. it's not just about the dentist, it's about the hygienist, DA, everyone. Yeah. And always treat your DAs with respect as well. <laughs>
4: just
3: treat everyone with, Every, with treat respect. Treat everyone
2: with respect as doesn't well. matter who they are, <laughs> treat
3: them with respect.
1: You know, it's best to work as a team. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's, but once in a while, you do get some arrogant people and then you know that you, you from a, a third person point of view, you yeah. you know that's not right. And yeah. um, but it is I'm glad that I heard I heard that it's changing in clinics.
3: Yeah, these days, um, actually they're starting to focus a lot on, you know, standing up to, you know, one workplace bullying and two oh, yep, yeah. you know, the superiority complex at some of some all some some all the clinicians will have and like you know sometimes there's that argument or i've been working for longer i know more than you but they're trying to put a lot of emphasis on you know do what's right what you learn what's the correct Mm -hmm. way and look you can take on board any advice that you know someone who's had more experience than you gives to you but at the end of the day if something doesn't sound right or if it goes against what you've learned or it seems like it's incorrect Mm -hmm. um you know, stand up to it. Yeah. Don't let it. Don't let their age or experience put you down.
4: Yeah. You know, okay.
3: you have the right to your your opinion, and at the end of the day, you will be charged.
4: Yeah, and
1: it's like your, well. responsibility. Yeah, it's your responsibility. it's your responsibility. So, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess this is where the emphasis on communication happens, because mm-hmm. also when, when you, it, it is a very touchy subject, and I think it is important that you. Say it in a way that's not too aggressive, yeah. but also yeah. not too passive. Yeah,
4: yes, um, definitely. They always Asative. say assertive, assertive, assertive. <laughs> <Asative.
1: laughs> so yeah, um, that is very true. Dentistry is not a one-man show. Nice myth pointed out mm-hmm. by Krishan, yep. and yes, I think we should know that by heart when we do go out there and we start working. Mm-hmm. Um, Asa, anything to add
4: on?
3: I think you briefly mentioned this at one stage, but you were talking about how you know. Some people think that, you know, oral diseases are only in the mouth. But, you know, as you go through dental school, you realise that's so incorrect. Like... Yeah. Your mouth is connected to your body. Mm. And because of that, there's just so many different types of interactions going on. Mm. And, like, one... Major example I can give you is diabetes Yeah, yeah. so diabetes any is
4: a big one <laughs>
3: exactly any changes in your you know immune system will affect your mouth and how your mouth reacts to bacteria, how your mouth reacts to disease, yeah. and then that can you know then affect other processes in your body so
1: yeah yeah um I think I did kind of uh, read an article about how you know nowadays GPS are referring patient uh, pregnant ladies or people with diabetes or hypertension mm-hmm. to dentists sometimes because stats show that 40% of people who are diabetic actually do have uh, chronic gum disease as well yeah.
4: yeah.
1: and back in the day no one would really make that connection no, I- so um, people are listening to this if you have any relatives or parents who, who do have diabetes maybe tell them to go check a dentist
4: because <laughs> things <are> important <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually did that to my dad and it was a bit puzzled but, <laughs> oh, <laughs> but I, I told him to just do it Um, yes it is true Um, back in the days they thought oral disease were very localized very separated from medicine yeah Yeah. which is very ironic because you know some of the teeth are connected to our maxillary sinus and also the fact that the things in our mouth we swallow it and it goes into our digestive system and I guess it was you know also back in the day with all the political things maybe that's why it was more separated but nowadays you know those differences are set aside and as more research is being done more connections are being found. And yeah, I guess also then, you know, we learned that depending on the condition of the patients, our treatment plan also differs vastly.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, like you you
3: know, it's good to have a look at the medical history. Yeah,
2: a lot of yeah, a lot of patients like wonder why we like ask medical history, but it's the most important thing, like every single appointment oh, yeah. we yeah. have to ask medical history. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you
2: know, you don't know even if it's not changed, like sometimes the patient won't tell us and then it becomes a whole like
4: exactly. mid appointment
2: when you're Cause... like injecting adrenaline and they start having a heart attack oh, or something yeah.
4: oh, God. <laughs>
2: Yes, medicine and
1: antibiotics you take; those pretty much affect your whole body. So, mm. uh, patients don't know it. But I think as now a lot of dental school, schools are emphasizing um, on educating kids in schools. You know, yeah. yeah. In one of our courses, we do have that going to schools and teaching kids. Yeah. I think I, I believe that you know around next generation, maybe they'll have a, a better understanding, mm. and maybe you know but have less worrying myths like these. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so we did talk about our operative um, myths. And yeah, thank you for your great contribution, guys. <laughs> um, but now we also gathered some myths for dental students. And especially this is directed for first-year dental students who just entered dental school. And I think um, as our two guests have a lot of experience...
4: Um, As first-year students. <laughs> <laughs> As first-year
1: students. Um, they do have experience. I think there will be some myth that you guys want to break yeah. and kind of give these first-year dental students a new view because a lot of professional schools, like, you know, law, med, uh, dental school, it's kind of, like, you know, shrouded with, like, rumors and, yeah. like, yeah. this like secrecy. I don't like know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, who who wants to talk about the first myth?
3: Okay, so... I really want to emphasize this matter because there's a lot of rumors that goes around um, saying, you know, it's all about the prestige of your uni. You know, mm. if you go to like a random uni that's rural, then you're not, you're never going to find a job. Yeah, but that's so, true. so <laughs> untrue. Like, okay, this is me being honest. Um, so it doesn't really matter if you go to a geo, well, this is from my experience. That's a disclaimer. Yeah, disclaimer.
4: Disclaimer. <laughs> <This>
3: is, <laughs> it's my opinion. my You guys might have a different experience, but just from what I've seen, like most places don't really care as much about the uni that you go to. They don't care if you're a geo-weight, if you're non-geo-weight, or if you're like a really low-key um, rural school. Mm-hmm. They look at, you know, who you are as a person and also your um, skill set. Yeah. So one example is, like, I remember for my first um, job interview, I was a little bit arrogant. I graduated from UQ, so I was <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm a geo G08 student. I'm going to get this job because I'm against, you know, this oh really small um, uh, rural cool. sk- university yeah. student. Yeah. But turns out they ended up getting their job because they had the advantage of having, you know, the adult scope mm. in therapy, oh. whereas I didn't. Oh, so okay, yeah. I guess yeah. that was one thing. And also just from like a lot of the places that I've worked at, you know, yeah. th- there's no place that's oh, only GOA students. Yeah. It's like you'll see JCU students, Griffith, yeah. you know, New South Wales, yeah. um, and like New Zealand International. You see a whole array. So don't worry about the university you mm-hmm. go to who cares about your gpa yeah. just you know do be become a good clinician mm. in your
1: way yeah um when i was choosing dental schools um as an international student i did uh had a lot of thinking because you know i was new to australia i didn't know much a lot of the advice i got from dentists were Two things that they emphasize was the location of the school mm.
4: yeah. and
1: also the tuition fees. Oh yeah, the oh. tuition I mean, fees. Uh, oh, no. and, um, I was concerned between different universities and yeah. the reason why that I was motivated to go to Griffith is because I am not know a lot of people know this but Griffith does offer the cheapest tuition for international schools. Oh
4: really?
1: And that was saying the- they don't for domestic. But, um, yeah, that was one of the factors that uh, really motivated me to mm. join Griffiths. So, um, you know, each to their own. For some pre- people, I'm pretty sure more prestigious schools have some things better to offer. Yeah. yeah. But um, if there are more pressing matters, like, you know, maybe if you want to just commute from your house rather than yeah. Yeah. Accommoda- accommodation, maybe if you want lower tuition fees, yeah. um, I think those are factors that should be definitely considered yeah. in choosing yeah. dental schools and employment opportunity is most likely
2: not affected. Yeah. I mean, like, we all well, graduate yeah. to become dentists, right? Yeah. Like, in yeah. the same, like, yeah. competency. So, I mean, like, yeah. Exactly. yeah.
3: Look, some places might look at GPA, they might look at your uni, yeah. but just most places don't really see that as a, you know, a defining factor. It's more of who you are as a person, mm. what's your skill sets, so, yeah. are you suitable for this yeah. practice? Yeah.
1: Um, so... You didn't mention GPA. Let's kind of elaborate on that. <laughs> oh no. to the next minute.
4: Pass.
1: Pass. Well, because um because a lot of the students who do apply for dental schools, they do put a lot of emphasis on the GPA yeah. to apply <laughs> oh to dental gosh. schools. Think and I think it, is, it is carried on when they enter dental school. And what what do you guys have
2: to say about this? I think like in first year, I, like I can admit I was one of those people. Like I always thought that GPA was the thing that defined like how I will graduate and like my success in the course. But to be honest, like I don't think any employer will ask me for my academic transcript. Yeah. I think it's only just for evidence that I actually graduated. From. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it was interesting because you did say you were making a portfolio.
2: Yeah.
3: Of your grades? great? Oh, no, 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 no,
1: no,
2: no. Uh, Just, like, cases, like, how, like, I took them from before and after. Oh. So it's sort of like the stuff they do on Instagram, like, but it's oh, more okay. of a, like, imprint sort of thing. Official. Oh, sure. Probably seems <laughs> no. a bit extra, but, you know. <laughs> At least it's something, like, hard copy that they can see when oh, I yeah. give them, like, n- an interview. So, yeah. Hey, I let you, Aflan.
3: Well, I guess all my life, I mean, like, not all my life, but like, when you get into dental school, you know, there's always those students that are so on top, like, oh, yeah. before <laughs> the uni even started, they've already finished all their studies, you go to labs, and then yeah. they're like, what is this? And you, you're you like, oh, I don't know. And someone's like, oh, it's the 4-3. And yeah. you're like, oh, my God. Like, why am I here? (laughs) Am I like, like, was it a mistake? And like, I think it's called the imposter syndrome. Look, it's completely natural. Just go at your own pace, Mm. whatever you feel comfortable with, you know, and don't let other people bring you down because, you know, you're not competing with anyone unless you're doing specialization. (laughs) it's
2: a very different story. (laughs) Yeah,
3: but, like, you're not competing with anyone. And who cares? Like, you could get a GPA of 7 and graduate, and you don't even know how to do a filling properly. Just focus on yourself, focus on your skills, Mm. and you'll see that you do much better. And your mental health is much better. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think even in, like, specialist programs, they only consider, like... CPD courses so not even like stuff you've done in uni but stuff that you do afterwards in those two years that you can gain experience so yeah (laughs) some hope for me
1: (laughs) 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 well um, yeah the gist I'm getting from you guys is that grades don't really determine whether you're a good clinician or not Mm. and Mm. it's as you know there are people who are Good at memorizing theories. Yeah, I think yeah. there's also another separate set of people who are good at applying the skills that they learn. Some yeah.
3: people have like born talent. Yeah, <laughs> they put like the drill envy. on the tube, and it's like a perfect.
1: That's
2: so true. Oh my gosh. Okay, uh, I don't think I need to get more depressed. <laughs> 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 no, I think I think everyone like will get at the same like standard. Eventually, get it. Yeah. Eventually. yeah, but it just takes time. Like for me, yeah. like practical was the thing that I needed to improve on. Once you realize that, you spend more time on that, and you can improve. Like, it's another thing to just like, oh, go with the flow, and be like, oh, I'll just learn it when you know the exam comes. Mm, oh. But it's another thing <laughs> <laughs> to like um, learn it when you know you have the time and that feedback from your tutors. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yes, and I
1: did. I do think I wrote this as a rep, <laughs> in my first... Uh, in That's a the first-year booklet, mm-hmm. uh, advising first-year students. And it was saying that don't make your whole life about your GPA in dentistry. Yes. <laughs> because eventually, when you graduate, and you imagine you're on a date or, you know, you meet a new person, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, tell me about yourself. You're not just going to put a period saying, I'm a dentist. Yeah. 23 male dentists. Yes. <laughs>
4: yes. You <did> the
1: profile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, so like dentistry is very important because you know i get, i assume a lot of people spend a lot of effort yeah. entering the school but please make try to make your life more colorful yeah. it's yeah. not Do all other of things our, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like there's you know there's a, a whole world out there life.
3: Yeah. yeah don't make dentistry your whole life don't make the people in dentistry your whole life yeah, yeah like what jason just said
1: there's there's a whole world out there yeah. you know yeah there's good things to do, like, you know, the is doing animal crossing oh, and watching oh Korean drama. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that would be a very good, stressfully reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we did discuss these two big myths for dental students. And before I let you guys go, I do think that, you know... Uh, as you guys are here, I need to extract as much information as I can. Oh <laughs> it extract. Um, um,
3: <laughs> oh, no.
1: oh, please,
3: can't. don't make dentistry your whole life that we spoke about that.
1: No, that, no, that didn't happen. Um, so, any
2: word of advice for dental students? My advice would be to make as many mistakes as you can. Oh, that's Not like fatal ones, obviously. But, <laughs> but two things um, that um, you know, like get as much feedback as you can because you won't when you go into practice you'll never get that in the future.
3: Yeah, and yeah.
2: also um try and write good notes as well. Oh yeah, documentation is the most important thing in your clinical career because if you um like if I don't know if it comes to being sued or if there's any legal um thing involved, those will save you. Like even like the complaint like write it in quotes yeah, um, yeah there's something that Aflan has been emphasizing a lot um,
1: that before the podcast and I, Aflan do you have any experience with the documentation because I know like you know lawsuits are involved and like just tell me about your experience about that
3: Look, guys, please just document every single thing. Even if the patient says her dog is pig, document that as well. Because one day, if the only thing you documented was 4-3 filling and something goes wrong and you're at the courthouse and they're asking you, why did this go wrong? And mm. your notes is just 4-3 filling. Say goodbye to your registration.
2: Oh,
3: yeah. Okay. Just document everything don't be those people who don't document it'll save your life one day
2: it's like it's not only on that sort of perspective but it's like also if you're referring to another um like a specialist or a different clinician like it's like oh three four mesial and then the the referring um like specialist has no idea what to do (laughs) and it also that also reflects on you badly because you're not you know Using that time to you know write your notes and that sort of stuff, yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I know that um, you know you know
1: really touchy with lawsuits and mm. stuff. So mm. is there any dental clinics that does audio recording?
2: Um, you know, for a quality there's check. One like there's an endo clinic. I don't know what it's called, but <laughs> can't mention <laughs> it on here. Um, yeah. That actually records the entire process and actually gives the recording file to the patient. Oh, so yeah. it also gives them like like what they've done in the procedure but it also is like a reference Mm. for them Uh so it's actually quite a good thing but also on that point it's quite expensive to record a full like oh is this is this like a video recording yeah it's it's like a um camera that's inside like the rubber dam, like attached to the rubber dam. well how small is the camera it's like really small but then it's like yeah it it records the whole obturation or whatever the procedure yeah it's so cool
1: um Yes, interesting enough, um, because, uh, you know, like malpractice um, in Korea, not for dentistry per se, but for medicine, there was a push for, you know, like recording, you know, the surgery room so Mm. that the patients, after they wake up from their, you know, surgery, they can see what happened and, you know, what went wrong, if something went wrong. Uh, But it was a huge controversy because it seemed like the people, usually the patients want the recording to happen, but a lot of the doctors were reluctant. And especially the medical society, was kind of pushing the claim that you know it will it's like you know pr- privacy you know matters and also like you know doctors will get nervous if every yeah. single movement they do is recorded and it be used against them yeah so exactly, like yeah. a huge thing so um but great point uh bringing down, Afnan. um you know it's i think discussions like these need to be a oh, be aware mm. and yeah. people need
2: to talk about it more. I think yeah. especially as like the upper notifications are getting a lot more stricter nowadays. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people realize that, but yeah, it is getting a lot tougher. Like to, yeah, it's good. Dental schools yeah. are emphasizing a lot of these things,
1: like where it's kind of like borderline saying like how not to get sued. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <The> document. <laughs> like don't say these, 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 like don't guarantee patients. Yeah. About yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, how about another uh, advice that you guys
2: maybe want to talk about I would say like look after yourself yeah like, mental health mental health yeah because like you know dentistry is tough it's not easy and you need to just put aside like um just some time like even if it's with friends even by yourself just to look after yourself because you know this degree a, or a dentistry degree can like you know be really intense especially during the practical assessment sort of period so yeah just yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, so I know that especially in schools where,
1: you know, students are doing intensive course, mm. they do tend to get through anxiety, depression. Yeah. Yeah. And would there any be specific
2: places where you can get, actually get help? So usually it would be like from the, within the course itself. So there may be like a program director or even an academic support officer. Yeah. But also like the university's sort of, um, like resources such as like for us, we have like an online um, Blackboard um, like wellness module. So people can just, like, click the button and just, like, go through all these, like, little Mm. um, things. I think that's really good because, like, to get access, like, you have to, you know, usually go face-to-face counselling, which may be, like, confronting for some people. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Griffith um, University, I don't know about other universities, but Griffith University also has, you know, I'm pretty sure they have counsellors online or they they have a texting system where you can talk to an anonymous counsellor and they can help you with whatever you're going... Um, whatever you're going through yeah. and um, it seems like they're available in all hours throughout the day
1: also yeah uh, especially during the COVID time um, there were multiple emails sent out saying like you know take care of your mental mm-hmm. health if you feel like you are uh, needs in need of help you know contact you know, the university counsellor and stuff like that. I know there's, like, a lot of stigma against, you know, like, government body counselling or, like, you know, school counselling.
2: I think you... uh, Sorry, I think there was also, like, there was this one time where I got a call from... I think they were calling people, like, directly. Oh, really? Yeah, for, like, oh, we're just checking on you if you're okay, like... Oh, wow. I thought it was, like, a scam call, but then I was like, okay, this is actually the university. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so did they do that to a lot of students? Yeah, there's, like, I think it's just, like, a sample, but, like... Oh, it was, like, quite common. Okay. Like, it was, like, every, like, five yeah. hours or something. Oh. So if you didn't pick up, they were still cool. Really? Yeah. Did you give out signs that you No. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be joking about
4: like,
1: this. It's hard.
4: No.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, there, there's a joke going around saying that, you know, you know, first year is like a breeze, and, like, after that, it's like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It we'll goes downhill from there. <laughs> no,
4: I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. As I say, was saying before. You know, there's like stigma against you know government counseling, student uh, school counseling, and people think that like you know the counselors don't really care and like you know they're careless. But uh, well, for my personal experience with Griffith counseling, uh, they were very supportive. Mm. So my you know the thing I want to say is that if you're having hard times
2: and just just try to reach out to them just try it out you know yeah. yeah and i think like to first you know to, you need to recognize that you know you're not okay yep and it's okay not to be okay <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah and take that step forward or leap of faith
1: to access that yeah and you know those people the counselors are actually pretty nice so yeah. i think uh, um, you know you can judge them later but actually just try it out first yeah and i think it would be yeah, it will help you a lot
3: yeah, and if you don't want to go to, like, a random counsellor, you know, you always have, again, those other organisations, like Beyond Blue, et cetera, yeah, to help you out. And you can even go to, you know, a trusted GP if you want to have a referral yeah. to you know, someone who's more specialised in that area. So don't... And, again, you don't have to do it. Just do what you feel comfortable yeah. doing. Oh,
1: yeah. Um. Also talk about mental health. Uh, please... Um. Consider your physical health as well. Yeah. Uh, oh I, oh I've, goodness! I've seen... Your posture and back. It, posture, <laughs> posture is important. Um, a physiotherapist will be your friend, mm.
4: best after, friend. Yeah, best, best friend, friend.
1: After a while, and also, I it, this is mostly coming from my high school <laughs> <I> know, <laughs> times. Um, a lot of people, like especially in grade twelve, like a lot of my friends want to go into med mm. or engineering, so like they're pretty hardcore studying, mm. and a, a lot of students started showing very. Um, disturbing symptoms, symptoms but they wouldn't go to the hospital yeah. because oh. they're very concerned um, especially one of my female friends that I had uh, she was losing hair from stress I told her all the time to go to the doctor yeah. she didn't so um, you always have time to go see the GP or a yeah. therapist it's like your health comes priority not dental school so yeah. that's what we want to emphasize
4: and
3: don't be afraid like if you're if your you know health issue of your mindset is you know, is quite intense, and you know, it's just you're, you're struggling to keep up with schoolwork. I know it's very difficult to do this, but do don't feel too afraid to you know approach your teachers yeah. because you know sometimes there will be understanding and yeah. you know extend that deadline for you That's or like they'll you. change your you know if, the, if it's a certain person or if it's a certain group that you're in that you're not comfortable in just you know if you'd like to you can be open about it with your teachers and mm. they can help you out and give you a better outcome and like remove you from that you know more toxic environment yeah, yeah.
1: lecturers and professors are humans they, yeah. uh, Do they can be
3: very understanding <laughs> They
1: yeah. They have emotions. <laughs> okay, uh thank you guys for being on the podcast. I appreciate you guys sparing your time. I know you guys are very busy and I can't see you guys often. <laughs> 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 <No>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: but uh yeah thank you so much and yeah, uh, us. yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, yeah, thank
3: yeah
1: thanks for having us <laughs> and uh, yeah um the people who listen to this i hope uh the dental myths that we discussed today and some of the advice that they offered um it is really from the bottom of their hearts yeah. and yeah i hope you guys um really take it dearly as mm-hmm. yes, uh thank you for listening and that will be the end of our podcast um anyways bye bye guys
4: guys, say bye Bye. oh bye
0: (laughs) that's the end of another episode with brace yourself i hope this episode has given you much more clarity on some of the most common dental myths out there next week we are joined by chloe from cqu who talks about university clubs and whether or not they are worth joining see you guys then